Hello and welcome to Cutting the Bull in the Post Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben. As always, I'm joined by Mike. Hello. And Claire. Hey. Uh, today's topic the Great Emu War. Yeah. It's exciting. I personally, I'm on, t I'm on Team Emu for this. It's the emus against people? Yeah. Against the Australian Army. Cool. So on Team Emu. Before we get on to that, let's thank some new and returning listeners. Shinjuku Ku in Japan. We're getting a few Japanese listeners now. Mm. Creeping in there. Frankfurt and Maine in Germany. Brisbane, Australia. Birmingham, Alabama. Kiev in the, in the Ukraine. Sydney, Australia. Tananga in Norway. Lynn Lithgow. Lynn Lithgow in the United Kingdom. I have no idea where that is. Wigan and Leeds as well. Charlottesville, North Carolina. Oh, what's that one? Paducah, Kentucky, like it. Sunderland, United Kingdom. Athens in Greece. Bologna in Italy. Mexico. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Tlaxcala, I think that was my closest, I apologise. Renoke in, is that Virginia, VA? Yep. Yep, fantastic. Brussels, Belgium, oh, Puerto Rico as well. Like and Budapest in Hungary. Boardman, Oregon. Ashburn, Virginia, Lubin in Poland, Spartanburg, South Carolina, what a fucking name that is, Guadalajara, Spain, and Madrid, Spain. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Yep. I'm not saying it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it. Ben's broken little egos. Uh, it's not broken, it's fragile. It's fragile little egos, <laughs> picture of it on, on uh, <laughs> online, Facebook. Uh, well, yes, you can follow us on Facebook too, actually. Cutting the bull in the post through the pockets if you like what we're, what we're doing. Yep, you like funny memes. And send you some memes. So let's start with a quote from the Sun Herald on the 5th of July 1953, which is later than the Great Emu War, but still it's a valid quote. If we had a military division with the bullet carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. They are like Zulus whom even dum-dum bullets could not stop. You know what a dum-dum bullet is? No. Nope. It's a flat-headed bullet with a cross face, mm -hmm. and it expands when it hits. It's, they're actually outlawed now. You can't uh -huh. use them. But again, back in the days of Empire, we used to use them. It was known as the... Uh, I'll use the term from the time. It's not my own personal view before anyone says anything. It was known as the Savage Stopper. So if you got some Zulu trison running at you, with a couple of bullet holes in him already, one of them would definitely put him down. Oof. Gonna be like a huge, like, punch. Yeah. Yeah. Such a brave man. What? With guns? They didn't have guns. The Zulus took the guns off the dead. Maybe eventually, but originally they wouldn't have had. No? No, that's true. They were hardcore. They were. Yeah. Fantastic uh, warrior culture. And I'm sure it's still a strong, stable, proud culture right now. Still Zulus about. In the years following World War One, the Australian government struggled to find things for their veterans to do upon returning home. Because remember, they mobilised a shitload of guys to support the war efforts in Europe, the Middle East, Africa, wherever the First World War... Oh, the Dardanelles, of course, was the Gallipoli. Mm. Was the Australians. Good film, that is. Yes, it is. Mel Gibson again yeah. slags off the Brits. That's <laughs> what he likes. He likes to make films he portrays as utter twats. Well, we were. Not all the time. Not all the time. Because the fun police. <laughs> You're glorifying our past, mate. We were. That's what the boss wants me to do. 
we're fucking evil. Well, I think we pillaged everything. Yeah, oh yeah, we did. Yeah. Before we took over India, it was I think it had like a forty-seven percent of the world's income or something. It was a major. It was broken up into lots of minor and major kingdoms. Yeah, but it was a very but rich country. A lot of those kingdoms, were, certainly the guy in charge was incredibly rich. The Tipu Sultan who was in charge of Mysore was, was certainly a billionaire in today's standards. And when we left it in 1947, it had gone from 40-odd percent to 4% of the world's economy. Man, we smashed that place. Yeah, we just... We done, just there. paid for a Second World War, though, in all fairness. I'm just saying. No, yeah, yeah. We were cunts. Yeah, I'm not saying that we were great, but Boris wants us to believe the Empire was fantastic, so I was going with the official government line. Did with the railways and all sorts? Hmm? Well, yeah, but it just slightly doesn't outweigh the millions we did of build up the famines. Con- and- we, we, did bring up the co- we did build the country's infrastructure. Yeah, hardly. Is- <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, you might have that now, but the millions have suffered to get it. It's yeah, not yeah, worth yeah. it, is it? Come on. Yeah. No, no, no. And you could also argue that building all them train tracks was actually uh, more beneficial to us because we could move troops around more efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so to, pillage. Um, to, to pillage more. <laughs> if we're this train track in, by the way, we're coming around next Thursday to pillage it. Yeah. <laughs> we can leave by train, we can take more now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in 1915, a soldier settlement scheme began to be rolled out across all states and eventually it saw... 5,030 ex-soldiers given plots of land which they were able to convert into working farms primarily to cultivate wheat and sheep. Initially that sounds fantastic. It does, you know, you've just been to war for us for whatever reason you've got to come back. You're probably suffering from PTSD. Mm. Shell shock, as they called it back then. Yeah, absolutely. And they've all come back fucked. Yeah. You know. But at least the government are saying, look, you know, Thank you for your service. We're going to give you this land and live your lives peacefully. Yeah. And hopefully prosperously. But <laughs> it didn't quite work out that way, did it? No. So by September 20th, the government had purchased 90,000 hectares for the veterans, but still needed more. So they started to place the remaining soldiers in some pretty marginal areas of Perth in Western Australia. This made things tough because setting up a prosperous farm and little to no experience in a good area is no small feat let alone an area where the land is barely usable. Wasn't very good soil. No. And on top of that, the veterans are put under more pressure when the Great Depression hit in 1929, causing wheat prices to plummet. The government promised subsidies for wheat, but they never came. In other words, they were just too skint. I mean, what bad luck for these people. Yeah. Just had to fight in a war, given land which then they find is pretty much unusable. Load of shit. It's really tough to make a living off. Yeah. So you're doing back-breaking work for a little reward. And then the fucking Great Depression hits. Yeah. <laughs> and all the, all the price of your wheat plummets. And of course the government's like, yeah, we'll help you out. Actually, we haven't got any money. We can't do that. Sorry. Bit of a shitter, I know. Yeah. So surprise, surprise, the veterans... Get shit on again. Yup. They always do. The promise of the earth to get you to sign up. And then once you're finished, it's just discarded, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, it's a shame. It is a shame. And then there was the issue of the tens of thousands of West Australian emus that wanted their land back. <laughs> tens of thousands? I mean, they've come in and they've taken the emus' land, they want it back. Right. Wild emus, yeah? Yep. 
Emus had been a protective native species up until 1922 when they made themselves such a nuisance on the wheat farms, flattening crops and eating them down to a stub, they were officially reclassified as vermin. And by late 1932, there were 20,000 of them wreaking havoc on the marginal wheat farms of the beleaguered veterans. And even those men, trained riflemen who felled thousands of the mighty birds, could not put a dent in their numbers. Bounties were put on their beaks. <laughs> to no avail. Yeah, ammunition was expensive. Yeah, so, so hiring someone to shoot them... Is you you can do it yourself. You've, you've got a gun. You're a trained marksman. You've been in the army. But if they're using shotguns, no good against an emu. Not as you're going to take it with a headshot. Using you're gonna, rifles, weren't they? Using rifles. And how many That's rounds... Slow though, isn't it? Yeah. How many rounds do you think a uh, emu t- brings, takes to uh, bring down? How many rounds do you have to put into an emu, do you think? Big thing, big birds. I'd do it right between the eyes. Have you got little heads? I've got little heads, but I'm a really good On marks. average. <laughs> <laughs> On average. How many shots to take down an emu? Personally, two. Nah. Higher. Really? Mm-hmm. Ten. Yeah. Yep, nine to ten rounds to bring an emu down. Oh. <laughs> he's a fucking solid little fuckers, he's not. I mean, they only have, to have tiny heads, and if they're moving, it's a very difficult shot, no matter, I mean... Yeah, uh, yeah, if they're moving. Yeah, well, you admit, you know, maybe it's a really difficult shot there. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> <laughs> I can take the I am an emu. It's okay. <laughs> taking train with my, ba- with my barret. <laughs> There's nothing left of fucking emu. You find a barret in its head. <laughs> I, could, I could afford to fire it at the body, really, couldn't I? Even you back then, Claire. Mm. Taking trained soldiers, nine, ten bullets. <laughs> emu, I can do it in two. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> with your Lee one is a war- and, the, and the first one just a warning shot <laughs> I like it when they run <laughs> I like to see the fear in their eyes when I bring them down <laughs> I like the challenge <laughs> the veterans couldn't get access to the ammunition they needed so they called on the Australian military to take action it was a pretty ludicrous idea of sending the army to call 20,000 flightless giant birds, but, um, you know, it could have been something to do with a propaganda exercise to show the government was doing something to support its struggling war heroes. Led by Major G.P.W. Meredith of the 7th Heavy Battery of the Royal Australian Artillery, the army set out on November 2nd, 1932. <laughs> it's only a couple of guys, in all fairness. Two soldiers, two Lewis guns, which are uh, machine guns, man-portable machine guns. They came in at the end of the First World War, 50-round drum magazine firing, .303 Lee Enfield, standard Lee Enfield rifle ammunition. So they're packing a punch. Two guys and this major, yeah. Oh, I was imagining rows of guys. That would have been a lot more efficient. But they didn't do that. It's like... So they set out on the 2nd of November in 1932 determined to gun down a group of 50 birds in the district of Campion. They moved in formation behind the birds, and the birds answered their organised assault with inspired chaos, scattering themselves in all directions to minimise the casualties. But despite their best efforts, the first blood in the bizarre emu war had thus been drawn by the Australian army. So they, you know, they got, I think they got a couple. Yeah. This, was, this was the second they night, wasn't it? They obliterate them, no? No, 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 they've got a few. Yeah, because they're just scattered. Scattered. Scattered! <laughs> <laughs> well, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. They're trying to shoot at you, they run. 
it's all really fast as well. Yeah, they split up into smaller groups. They all yeah. stayed together. Yeah. This was the second night because the first night of the campaign, they had to call it off because it rained. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did. They were like, oh, it's raining. We'll go out in this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going out to condone emus in this weather. Yeah. Can they use grenades? I guess you could have if you could get within close enough range. You'd have to sneak up on them. But as we find out, they've got leadership. Mm. Yeah. So two days later, the emus had their revenge. Concealed gunners sighted a thousand emus nearby and they waited for them to make their way over. At point-blank range, the soldiers opened fire, felling only 10 to 12, but then the machine gun jammed. Oh, no. Yeah. They basically just got the hell out of there. Those emus are just scattered. The emus have proved that they are not as stupid as they are usually considered to be. Each mob has a leader, always an enormous black plume bird standing fully six feet high. He keeps watch while his fellows busy themselves with the wheat. At the first suspicious sign, he gives a signal. Dozens of heads will stretch up out of the crop. A few birds will always take fright, starting a headlong stampede for the scrub, the leader always remaining until his followers have reached safety. <laughs> Being outwitted by emu generals. <laughs> no, just, just a picture, like, big black feathered emu with a fucking proper flume, plume in his, and he's got a little general's hat on. <laughs> and a sash. And a cigar. Yeah. Maybe some aviator glasses. Waiting patiently for everybody to be safe, and then he just dropped off. That's it, because it's like guerrilla warfare. Then you split up. You got to, they're gonna come after you. And they can't. You're, you're, you're running faster than they are. So what they did was they then tried gunning them down with moving trucks. They'd stick the machine gun on the back of the truck. The other guy drives. Yeah, but they found they couldn't aim properly. The roads aren't great. They're bouncing around, and a lone victim rendered himself a nuisance all the way to the end with his corpse getting tangled up in the vehicle's steering equipment which caused it to veer off and destroy a length of somebody's fence. <laughs> so like a kamikaze emu just you know, getting shot and he runs out and throws himself under the wheels and fucks up the, fucks up the truck. Jeff! That fence is important. Yeah. It keeps not only emus out, well, it doesn't keep emus out. No. It keeps rabbits out. Right. Because mm. they're another nuisance that was eating all the crops. Yeah. No natural predators. No, they had to introduce myxomatosis to them and then they became immune to it. Well, they're growing immune to it. And now there's a rabbit-proof fence that runs all the way down Australia. Yeah. 1,700 kilometres. Is it? Yep. Yeah. No way. Keep the rabbits out from the crops. Never. Yeah. Now, if the rabbits had teamed up with the emus... <laughs> ...and, like, were riding the emus into <laughs> battle... ...I'd imagine the rabbits are smarter than the, uh, than the emus... Problem at the moment as well. Yeah. Well, these are mice fences now. They have a great mice wall. Just all them beasts, and they're overrun. I just want to point out that I'd never ever visit Australia. Oh, I'd love to visit. Oh God, no! I'm not going where there's spiders as big as your head. I'm not going where every animal can just kills you or could kill you. I don't want that. I don't want to have to check my toilet every time I go for a shit. I don't want to have to shake my shoes out. I don't want any of that. I just want. I'll go to New Zealand where yeah. nothing can kill you. New Zealand's nice, a bit more temperate, more like our climate. Australia's too hot. Yeah, and at one end of New Zealand you can go surfing and it's really sunny, and the other end you can go skiing. Yeah, but apparently it's the best place to survive an apocalypse. We're up there. 
believe. Yeah. I saw that article. Then, did you? Yeah. Britain was up there. Yeah. yeah. In the top five, number ones, New so, Zealand. Yeah. It's a bit strange how Ireland up there, isn't it? When, well, you know, if anything hits the sea. Yeah, but maybe that's why. Because like nothing can. It says something hit the sea. I wouldn't take the full brunt of it if it landed in the Pacific. Ireland has been more self-sufficient because historically they had to be. Oh, I was just thinking that Ireland was a really great shield for the rest of the UK in the event of a tsunami. They're not cannon fodder. (laughs) It's just the way they are. There's not much you can do about it. If an asteroid comes down in the Atlantic or something, sends a tsunami out both ways, Ireland's going to take the full brunt of it before it hits Wales. Then all the mountains would probably break it up. Ah, the English using the using the <laughs> using the Irish and the Welsh as a shield. Oh man, nothing's changed. No, it hasn't. Has it? It's funny that on the eighth of November, it was reported that Major Meredith's party had used two and a half thousand rounds of ammunition, twenty-five percent of the allotted total, to destroy two hundred emus. Is that all? Yep. <laughs> When one New South Wales state Labour politician inquired whether a medal was to be struck for those taking part in this war, his federal counterpart in Western Australia responded that they should rightly go to the emus who have won every round so far. (laughs) (laughs) Sick burn. It is. It's it's slick. It's mic drop. Mm. A second campaign was mounted by Major Meredith on the 13th of November 1932, killing 40 emus. Two days later, barely any... But about a month later, it was reporting that 100 emus were being killed every week. Even so, Meredith did the maths and found out it took 10 bullets to bring down one emu, which was a pretty dismal effort. He was recalled, and uh, the Great Emu War had finally come to an end. I can't believe they let him go again. They're like, look, you're not just not doing anything. (laughs) Unfortunately, for our emu overlords... (laughs) the government decided to provide the ammunition that the locals needed to take care of the problem themselves. They basically just said, here's 500,000 rounds of ammunition, do it yourselves. Oh, yeah. And some 57,034 emu lives were claimed over six months in 1934. Did they eat them? So Yeah, I guess so. I, I had no idea, to be honest. I'd imagine the feathers would have been sold. Crispy, aromatic emu. Mmm. Mm. I mean, you can feed your fucking family on an emu for like a week, couldn't you? Yeah. Obviously not if it's riddled with lead. That's the point. And then again, people eat birds and that. That's buckshot. You pick pick that out. Yeah, you pick it out. Or spit it out. Yeah. Oh, bit of bullet fragment. Uh, And now, weirdly, it um, takes pride of place on the Australian coat of arms with a kangaroo. And as its status as a protected animal reinstated, the emu population nowadays is estimated to be around 600 to over 700,000. They're of least, they're not of a concern. They're not going for the crops? No, they're not of concern in terms of, uh, like, endangered. Best. Oh, endangered. Yeah, they're okay. So, yeah, that's the Great Emu War. Yeah, Australian Army versus the emus, and they couldn't take them out. It's not exactly the army. When you say the army, it's, it wasn't really an army. It was like three guys. It's still army personnel. Is it all of us three? 
Yeah, there was two dudes in that major. They must have probably rotated a couple of guys through, I don't know. But I, I think the reason they started killing more of them is because they started to get better at it. It would make sense, wouldn't it? They had to revise their tactics. Oh, I think they're pretty shit. <laughs> I think they were shit. Look, the, you know, the, the people that, you know, owned the crops killed more. Yeah, the thing yeah. is, they, they're, I suppose they're all using rifles and doing it the slow way, aren't they? But then you're also paying a bounty for them. They're encouraged to just go out and do it. They haven't got a farm then, have they? Yeah. Mm. If it's like, I don't know, didn't it say $50 on that video I watched? Mm, could have been. 50 Australian dollars. You know, and you're pretty. Well, yeah. yeah. I'd imagine they could make more than $50 out of the carcass, so that's why they offered 50 You think all the feathers and that and the meat? Yeah, it was funny because just getting outwitted <laughs> of the emus. <laughs> yeah, the emus had guerrilla tactics, splitting up, running back off into the undergrowth so they couldn't be shot. So I said, fucking emus! <laughs> oh, no. Machine guns? I mean. They couldn't take him down with machine guns. Firing rifle rounds, most machine guns don't. Lewis gun did. Mm. Most machine guns have a, a, a saying. Well, the heavy machine guns fired rifle rounds, and even so, they weren't proper full rounds. It's, nowadays, they're not. They're smaller, a little bit smaller. Apart from like, when you get your 50 cows out and that. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's freaking great. I'm on Team Emu. Mm. Emu's won. There's no doubt about that, is it? They beat the army, they just couldn't take the farmers out. So they didn't win, in my eyes. Yeah, but there was more of them than ever, and they're, con and they're protected again. And they're on the um, the crest. Hmm. Oh, Coat yeah. arms. Yeah. So they won. Major merit, isn't? I think everybody's a winner. <laughs> <laughs> They've still got their crops, and, and yeah, they're on the coat of arms or whatever. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Score draw. Yeah. All right, we'll go with that. That's a great tale. Like that. Are we going to do some fucked up facts? Yeah. Alright, let's end the show on some fucked up facts. Jingle, please. Facts, facts, fucked up facts, 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 facts. Facts. Cuddling a dog can relieve stress for up to six weeks afterwards. Absolutely, fully agree with it. Boom. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. I have no dispute with that whatsoever. Pigs can breathe through their rectums. <laughs> you know what? I can also believe that. I can't believe that. You know, oh, I don't know. You well, just, you because know. it's on fucked up facts, I'm <laughs> going to believe it, you know. But my source is very reliable. Yeah, Mike actually has an international cabal of fact finders and a research team so in the show. Yeah. Pigs are great. They can breathe through their ass and Yeah, okay. They've got lungs in their ass. How could they breathe through their ass? I don't know, but they make bacon. They are bacon. They're pork. They, I had pork today. It was Boston. Mm. They're crackling, lovely. Does anyone know what the Devil's Port Gate was in Elizabethan times? The Devil's Port Gate. Yeah. Uh, is it something to do with the Tower of London? No. I don't know. The anus. Close. <laughs> the um. Urethra? No. Oh, go on then. The vagina? Ah! Yeah. The devil's port gate. Wow! Oh. It's a bit right, it's a bit sexist, isn't it? Euphemism for the vagina in Elizabethan times. Well, they were very sexist but then, weren't they? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, Elizabeth was queen, she wouldn't have had any, but... 
It's a bit far-fetched from the old beef curtains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my love, over at the beef curtains. No. I say, wouldst thou show me thy devil's porthole? <laughs> that's, that's the name of the bar as well. Yeah. If I ever own a pub, I'm calling it the devil's porthole. Yes. <laughs> Portgate. Portgate, the devil's portgate. That's it. Poor horse has been actually. Just did it. There's yeah. more slutty. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't the devil's portal be better? Possibly. I don't know. A porthole is good though. Mm. Speaking of slutty, hummingbirds can lick 20 times a second. Wow. That's what you could do with a hummingbird, Mike. <laughs> you trained it. Did that eel like Is that more right? <laughs> <laughs> Mike in his flat puts his ear up his twat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a more right. <laughs> I don't know. Male Australian Fasco Larges. What? Fasco Gales. Right. A tiny marsupial, like a shrew. Let me guess, it can bite your fucking nuts off because it's in Australia. Uh, <laughs> they can have such frantic sex that it can kill them. They copulate for up to 14 hours at a time, during which their muscles start to break down so that every ounce of energy can be diverted into mating. They basically fuck till they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds alright to me. Well, females got to, you know, survive, yeah. surely? Male, I said. Did oh, I say just male? The, just the male? Yeah, just the male, yeah. Sure. He's doing all the thrusting, isn't he? Yeah, 14 hours. Yeah, Jesus. And then he's just dead, and then Must he's just like, oh, yeah. fuck! <laughs> <laughs> he's fucked! <laughs> Evolution did not do well with that design, did it? Did you scurry off into the night? <laughs> Bearing his seed? Yeah. To go and drop your little marsupial babies? Well, that's madness. The Irish name for bat is Bass Dorker, which literally means dark death. Ooh, I like that. Bass Dorker. man. That sounds cool. Yeah, is it a Batman? That stores me again. Shadow of Death. Dark Death. Dark, dark death. death. Dark Death Man. Mm, actually, Batman does sound better. <laughs> Dark death, man. Yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful of it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, listen, you can hear Chester scratching. He's a show cat. He lives here. Right. There he is. Say hello. Say hello, Chester. Have you come a a across this, Ben, in your local council duties? The 330-300 rule? No. It's a proposed rule in urban planning that stipulates everyone should be able to see at least three trees from home. Right. There should be a 30% canopy cover in each neighbourhood and 300 metres should be the maximum distance to the nearest park. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard of that. There you go. A minimum of... Th everyone get your three trees. In your park. <laughs> Need more parks. It depends on their classification of a park. 
I mean, that field, that playing field and that little playground opposite me. Yeah. Is that a park? Yeah. Because I think well, Dory Park's probably in distance anyway. Yeah. But does that count as a park too? Yeah. I think that's a park. Yeah. Playing, play things on. Yeah. I don't think it even just has that, does it? Has it been an area of natural beauty? Is that like a park? It could be just a field. That's what the politicians would say, yeah. That, that, that piece of wasteland there, that's the park. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Crack on. Those three sticks that we planted, <laughs> three trees. <laughs> Everyone gets three trees, no more, no less. That's it. Three. All you can use in your lifetime. We're planting these to offset it. <laughs> what should you do if you're stung by a jellyfish? You don't it's pee on, on it. it. You don't oh, pee on it. Peeing on it makes it worse, apparently. Makes the pain worse. It does, yeah. It's Vinegar? It doesn't say what to do, but I'm just trying to trap you. <laughs> you kind of do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because we all saw that on Friends. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I read this really odd coming of age story on Twitter this guy put and it was like he went on this diving thing and he was with these guys like they were all ex-Navy SEALs and he was like 18 and they're all these fucking big experienced divers and this one gets stung by a jellyfish they put him out of the boat and they're like what do we do what do we do and he's like oh, I just piss on it and they all pissed on this guy's face oh. <laughs> and, <they> were, <laughs> and then he just sat there in silence for the entire trip back this big burly dude and he was just like they were like Maybe we could have just peed in a cup and you could have splashed it over. <laughs> and he just yeah. went, and he just went, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure it is, I think, vinegar. It's, it's something, I don't know, you've got to neutralise it, haven't you? Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, acid. And I think you've got to put acid on it. That I, I was always told, don't just go under normal water. I've been stung by a jellyfish before. Have you? What did it do to you? Pardon? What did they do to you then? They, they, they... Well, it's just, I was just starting a dive, so... A you started on a jellyfish? No, no, I was like... No, what, what did they do when you got stung by one then? I, I went and did my dive and then dealt with it when I come back out 45 minutes later. Oh, really? It was only oh. a little one. I, it had gone down the back of my, my uh, wetsuit. And I, I oh, grabbed shit. it by, by its head and just threw it away and went, ah! <laughs> it was, it, but, yeah, yes. tentacles sort of... You know, mark down my back where it had, you know, wow. where it had caught me. But it's, it feels like a stinging nettle. Uh, if you've got just a small one like that. Yeah. But I wasn't giving up the dive for it. It was a magnificent dive. <laughs> I was once on holiday and me and my dad were walking on the cliffs. Mm -hmm. And there was like a bay and there was like this German guy on like a, a float. Mm -hmm. And just below him there was like this jellyfish. It was like bigger than him. You could see it. Uh, we tried warning him, but he didn't speak in English, and I was like, "Ten, going, hi, I hi. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> we want to say, "Look out, mate! There's, there's fucking jellyfish below you," and we couldn't communicate. So then we just like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and then was he pulled down? <laughs> Never saw him again. <laughs> Jesus, you just failed that test, didn't you? What? That's the equivalent of that test where there's the, there's got four people on a track. And there's a one levy you have to divert it, so and then there's one person, and which one do you save? Yeah. Yeah, you just, you just, like, just sacrifice that dude to the jellyfish. Well, he, <laughs> he couldn't get through, he couldn't understand us. He couldn't understand him. He needed to get closer and go get some kind of system. Was he swimming? No, he was on a, like, a lilo. Oh, the good 
chance. His arms and legs in the water, though. It was a good chance. It was massive, Claire. <laughs> it was like bigger than him. It was a monster was, jellyfish. Yeah, it was. It was Maybe it was just like was a shoulder. Across it, that was a big jellyfish. Yeah. It was huge. And then he was basically pulled down and <laughs> devoured by it. Is that what you said? Lilo and all. He left him, so I don't know what happened to him. He may have done. Well, he might have just float. Let's just hope he floated off in the mm. right direction. Away from said tentacles. Oh, man. Nastiness. Oh, that guy's dead. <laughs> we tried. <try. laughs> Can you do? <laughs> well, couldn't you run down there, then? No. 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 You should have sounded the jellyfish alarm. <laughs> <laughs> What's that sound like? <laughs> it's just like, it's like an air raid siren. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, the jellyfish siren. They've been repurposed it. Yeah, hasn't been sounded for nigh on two years. <laughs> He's back. Yeah. Big Jeff. <laughs> comes up from the dead. Yeah, he comes up every two years to feed. Many of the suspecting German tourists have been pulled to his watery grave and devoured by Big Jeff. Arr. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just throwing it out there. Some say he's not really just a market employee like Nessie. Hmm. All we know is an unexplained disappearance in the bay every two years. <laughs> and the fact. Go on then. Yeah. In the Appenzell Innerhoden. Right. Canton of Switzerland. I assume it must be a region, a county, a yeah. state. Yeah. yeah. Your family sword serves as your voter ID. <laughs> Fantastic! See, I've been saying about people being able to carry swords again, but you've got to pass a test. But yeah, I love that. My way is my voter ID. You just draw your broadsword. <laughs> Fuck and you. If the family's got a sword and then you get a replica, if, like, say I moved out of the family home, do I get a replica? No, you'd have to go and collect it. We've got to pass it between the family. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Because the head of the family would have it. Go to his... the boat. Yeah, grab the sword. <laughs> you just march down to the fucking <laughs> thing with the sword, scabbard of sword at your side. Oh, it's her turn to behead Tories. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you vote for, mate? <laughs> oh, no, I'm not before they go in. There's no point after. Well, you don't know who they voted for. You've got your kid and lay with them. You're voting to single. I'm at the bush. What are you waiting for? It's a Tory. Yeah, we can argue then you're subverting democracy. Like they don't, anyway. Well, there's a bit of a difference between voting. Cliff was heads up in there. It's annoying. One way is a bit more obvious. What are you doing with heads? You're going to put them on stakes. Vote Labour underneath. Vote Labour, this could be you. I've got more stakes, bitch. Still, I like the idea of carrying a sword again. The English language is over 3,000 words for being drunk. I can believe it. Yeah, because you've got every dialect imaginable, haven't you? Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's, well, there's a lot of accents in this country, and as we've already said, like, dialects change from street to street. Yeah. 3,000, though. So I can I believe it. I mean, I'm not going to go through all the ones I know, but Jesus. 
Americans are three times as likely to believe they could beat a wolf in a fight, 12%, as Britons are 4%. <laughs> they are not armed, though. Yeah. Yeah, but there's, less, there's no wolves in this country, is there? We are reintroducing them. So, there'd be less need for us to, to believe us in having the fight? I wouldn't have the fight with a wolf in the first place. But twelve percent of Americans think they can, they can be, win. They can win. Yeah. Or twelve percent of Americans surveyed think that they could beat a wolf in a fight. But does that are they are they armed? I was going to say they'd be like, yeah, I'm armed. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to win. <laughs> yeah. Arrogance. Yeah. And we'd well, just be like, uh, well, no, I don't think you know. No, probably not, because I've got nothing. As a, right, if you're in the American forest, you've probably got some kind of like you know fancy knife, like a Bowie knife or a Bowie knife or whatever. Yeah. If you were like guy in the wilderness, you'd always have a big knife, wouldn't you? And we wouldn't do that. We got a Swiss Army knife. We were into carrying virtual machetes on our fucking hips to go for a stroll in the forest. Yeah, I don't like that. That fact's a bit sort of uh, you know. I'm not sure I like the the research behind that. Mm. You could be a wolf. If you're really lucky, but you're gonna get bit to fuck, aren't you? It's gonna be ugly. If you can get your you get your hand up and it's just eating your forearm while you gouge its eyes out. It's gonna be ugly. It's not. It's not yeah. gonna be pretty. No, it's not gonna be pretty. You're gonna have to do things you don't want to do. <laughs> Wear its head as a hat after. Oh, you fucking know I'm taking that pelt. If I'm beating a wolf to death and it's better half my arm off. I am taking that pelt and I am wearing it as a fucking cloak mm -hmm. and I don't care what Peter say. I, I've earned that pelt. How many pelts have they earned? I didn't start that fight. I had to finish it. See, that's how you, I think that's what would kick in, Mike, if you were up against that bear. Yeah, Yeah, because you know damn well I'd be taking that fucking bear as a bear's think, skin Yeah. and wearing its head as a crown. You've like, you know, nurse yourself to health, innit? Yeah. Back to health inside, like, the bear skin. Yeah, don't worry. Right. On, the, on, the, on the roof. Yeah, I didn't start this, but yeah. fuck you, going down it. I'm the apex predator on this planet, buddy. <laughs> don't forget it. I'm top of the food chain, damn it. Sorry, I got a bit emotional then. <laughs> Bloody animals. Okay, I'll finish on some Viking nicknames. Mm. They include Desirous of Beer. Nice. Squat Wiggle. Yeah. Lust Hostage. Nice. Short Penis. <laughs> Boom, yeah. Yeah. Able to fill a bay with fish by magic. That's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> the man who mixes... Hang on. Hey, hey, it's able... able what was it? Able to fill a bay with fish by magic. You're right, able to fill a bay with fish by magic. As you go, he's like, my name is Lars. Just please call me that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the man who mixes his drinks... Yeah. And the man without trousers. <laughs> hey, it's the man without trousers. I can, yeah, I can go for that. Mm. You call him MWT, wouldn't you? Yeah. I think he gets trousers on. <laughs> now you can be man with trousers. Yeah. And you had Harold Bluetooth as well. He gave his name to the, and the rune for the Bluetooth on your phone mm -hmm. is Harold Bluetooth, yeah. who was king of uh, one of the Norwegian, the king of Norway, king of Sweden, one of the two. And his rune for his name is the Bluetooth logo. Yep. He had a Bluetooth, hence the name. Oh, nice. He had a Bluetooth? Yeah. Nice. He was known as Harold Bluetooth. All right, Harry B. How's it going, sunshine? Praise Odin. All right, I think that's the end of the show.
I've been Ben. Thank you very much for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Cutting the Bull in the Post Jude Apocalypse. SoundCloud. You, SoundCloud, Spotify, Cutting the Bull in the PTA. And uh, on YouTube, we are Apocalypse Ball, if you've uh, listened to us that way. We are on most platforms anyway, I think. Those are the main ones. Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube. Thanks for listening. Don't uh, drink the flavour aid. Don't join a call. I'm Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. I'm Alvin Claire. Keep open mind, but not so open that it's still like this, guys.